Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. test a few years ago. I'm actually not as Irish as my name would lead you to believe. I also discovered that I'm 5% Jewish, which means God loves more than he loves you. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, Praying about this service uh, the last several weeks and talking to Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm teaching this morning and next Sunday. I felt in, uh, impressed to teach on the subject of prayer. Is that okay? So we're going to go over some, some best practices, things that I've learned in my journey of faith and in, in prayer. And then next Sunday, we're going to talk specifically about the Holy Spirit and his relationship to us in prayer and how he helps us. So we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. That's next Sunday. But we're going to get into some good stuff this morning. Amen. As I was praying, the Lord said this to me. We're going to try to make this whole service without crying. But you might as well just get it out early. <laughs> Get out, get out. I'm always like, the camera's on you, people are watching. Don't do it. As I was praying about today and what to share, and don't worry, we're going to get to the word in a minute, I want to deal with this question. Ah, ridiculous. I'll get past it. I kept hearing in my heart people. I always wish someone had like something to throw at me because I feel like if they would hit me with something, I'd be like, ah, snap out of it. And I heard people's hearts saying, I don't know how to pray, therefore I won't pray. I don't know if God is hearing me. <sighs> therefore, what is the point of my praying? I don't think I have faith to pray, therefore I can't. I don't think my prayers are doing anything. Therefore, I have given up. And I don't even know how to get started in prayer. So why start? Well, I have news for you. These are all lies from the enemy. And they are lies designed to keep you silent and out of communication with your Heavenly Father. Don't worry, I'll get it together here in a minute. The worst part is when I can feel it coming on me in the back. I'm like, no, not today. This is terrible. The truth is, and we're going to show this to you in a minute, you already know how prayer works. The truth is you already know how to pray. The truth is you have already seen answered prayer. The truth is you do have faith and you have already used it. God does hear you, and your prayers can be answered. And I'm going to show all of that to you here in a moment. But that's where I want to start this morning. We're first going to go to Romans chapter 10, New Testament, book of Romans, and chapter 10. Hopefully that's all the weeping. We've got it all out at this point. Hopefully there's no more. There's a gentleman I like. His name is Leonard Ravenhill. He was an English evangelist and he was an author. And he taught mostly on the subjects of prayer and revival. 
And I encourage you to Google this man and some of his quotes. Some of his quotes are so bold, I'm not even comfortable reading them in public. I'm like, people might throw stones. But here's a few of his quotes that I like on prayer. People who are not praying are straying from their faith. If we fail in prayer, we fail in every avenue of our Christian life. For no man is greater than his prayer life. And then this is another one. Prayer is not an argument with God to persuade him to move things our way, but it is instead an exercise by which we are enabled by his spirit to move ourselves the direction that he would have us go. We'll talk about this a little later, but so often we think that God should answer our prayer the way we want him to. The problem is he's God and we're not. And the way he chooses to answer our prayers are very often very different than the way we think we, he should answer our prayers. I've known Pastor Josh a long time. We, were, we grew up together. We were teenagers together. And we had a group of, of young men, and we would pray together pretty, pretty normally. I've been praying with Pastor Josh for a long time now. But we used to sit around and think and try to figure out how will God answer our prayers like, we're like, hey, I'm praying about this. And then we would all go around and try to figure out, well, maybe he'll answer it this way. Well, maybe, I can't tell you how many times he answered it totally different way than whatever we had come up with in our little circle. All right, to the scripture, Romans chapter 10. Remember where we started. You already know how to pray. You already know how to prayer works. You've already seen answered prayers. You already have faith and you've already used it. You're like, I have? Yes, you have, Romans chapter 10. Begin uh, reading in verse 8. You may have heard this scripture before. Bear with me. Verse 8 says, in fact, it says, and I'm reading from the New Living, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare, verse 9, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many have heard that before? I don't want to take a poll in here. I'm just going to go off the assumption that everyone here is a Christian, that you, have, that you prayed a prayer at some point to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which means that if you did that, God answered your prayer or you would not be sitting here today. So could we start with the argument that you have already prayed a prayer and you've already seen God answer your prayer, and you've already experienced something in this new life that you're now living. So you have, in fact, already prayed and seen God move based on your prayer. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, For it is by believing in your heart, you may not have even known it, but that is exactly what you did. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells you, anyone who trusts in him, I love it when the Bible uses personal pronouns, anyone who trusts in God will never be disgraced. And then jump down to verse 17. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. A lot of things happened when you prayed that initial prayer to receive your salvation. 
And I wrote down some of them, and I'm sure there's more, but think about this for a minute. Frankie, I think I'm good. Appreciate it. Think about this for a minute. When you received Jesus, you prayed a prayer, and you saw that prayer answered, which tells me that prayer is the vehicle that God moves in your life. But think about all the things that happened when you prayed that initial prayer. Your name was immediately written in the Lamb's book of life. Your dead spirit was made alive, or you became a new creation. You were translated, the scripture says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You didn't even know any of this. You're just, you're just praying. The sea, all of the seeds of all of the fruit of the spirit were immediately planted inside your spirit in that moment. The Holy Spirit came to make his home in you and began the renewal process. I'm sure there are many others that we could talk about. But think about it for a moment. You heard something that someone said to you and you prayed a simple prayer that opened the door for God to supernaturally move in your life and you immediately received the answer to that prayer. Not only did you receive salvation in that moment, but God taught you how to pray and how to believe for him to do something in your life and it was immediately answered with something you could not see but that you will experience for the rest of your life. You pulled something with your words from the kingdom of heaven into this natural realm and it, is, it affected you then and it is still affecting you and it will always affect you. And prayer always works in that exact same way. The problem is, is once we, get, we kind of go through that initial process, then we begin to pray and we start to have a track record of prayer and we start to have experiences where maybe our prayer didn't work the way we thought it would or maybe God didn't speak to us the way he thought he would or maybe we prayed for someone and we didn't see the answer come when we prayed for them or maybe we're dealing with sickness or disease and we prayed and nothing seemed to happen. Now we have this track record of hits and misses of wins and losses. And then our faith stops being in God and in the word of God, but instead starts to reside in that track record of wins and losses, of hits and misses. And we start to base our prayers on that and not what happened to us in the beginning, which was we heard a word that was from this Bible. We prayed a prayer based on that word that we heard, based on this uh, word of God, and then God answered that prayer, and something happened that we could not see, but it began to affect us for the rest of our lives. Sometimes we have to go back to the beginning and examine that process and say, what did I do right that time that God moved, and how can I keep that process going so that God will begin to hear and answer my prayers when I pray? Amen? All right. The basic ingredients for all prayer was present when you prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and become a new creation. You heard something, you believed something, you opened your mouth, and you received something. Let's go to the book of 1 John. 1 John, way in the back. First John. Is this where I want to go? I hope so. Sometimes, at some point, you just have to trust your notes. Where is First John? They've moved it. I'm so used to my phone now. I just click the First John button. I mean, I don't know where it actually is in the Bible. Oh, here it is. I found it. It's before Second John. Who, 
Who knew? First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. And according to my notes, we'll start reading in verse 13. I'm like, I hope so. Verse 13. It says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's what we were just talking about. You believed in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. That was the result of that first prayer. And God planted in you exactly how to pray from that moment forward. Verse 14, 14. And we are confident. We're gonna talk about confidence for a minute. That is that winning and losing record, the hits and misses. It's all based on confidence. And we are confident that he, there the Bible goes again, who is he? That would be God. We are confident that he, God, hears us Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, what is the only prerequisite to prayer according to this verse? That we pray about things that please him. Verse 15, and since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Well, that's pretty simple. Let's go back to that word confidence. That word there in the Greek is the Greek word parousia. And it is from two words, this compound word. The first word is the word pos, which means everything. And the second word is the uh, word rieia, which means to pour out. So when you put those two words together, what does it mean? It means to pour everything out. Or as I like to say, word vomit. You have a friend, maybe you have several friends that this happens with, you get together and you don't even know how it happens and the next minute you're just word vomiting all over them. You're just getting everything out. Isn't that weird? And that's what this word means, confidence. When we pray, that denotes relationship. Prayer is not just a mechanical function of our salvation, but it is, in fact, part of our relationship with God and how we communicate with him and how he communicates back to us. And he wants you to get to the place with him where you sit down together and you just word vomit all over the Lord. And I've got some news for you. This may not happen the first time you pray. This may take some time because this word speaks to relationship. Now I know that I can come home after a day at work and I can sit down with my wife and I can word vomit all over her because we've been married for 18 years next month and we have built a relationship of communication and trust and I know that if I tell her something, she's not going to turn around and text all of her friends. This is what Sean just said. And I know she's not going to post on social media, I can't believe my husband, he just came home and word vomited all over me. No, because we have a good relationship and a, a good amount of trust based on years of experience and communication, I know that I can trust her with what I tell her. And I know that sometimes she won't even respond to what I say. She'll just be like, oh, interesting. Sometimes she'll just be encouraging. Sometimes she'll be like, do we need to pray about that? Sometimes she'll be like, here's what I can get in agreement with you about and we can move forward. I am not worried or concerned about telling her anything. And that is exactly what this word means. I have confidence in our relationship and I have confidence in our communication. So if I want to word vomit, that's totally fine. Sometimes I get home, and I'm wondering if this is a guy thing, and I'm tired, and I just want to eat, and I just want to sit on the couch, and I just want to turn on the TV. And there are times that I do this, 
And then I push the pause button and I say, Gracie, it seems like you have more to say. Because <laughs> she's over there fidgeting. And uh, she told me a story once about her dad and stepmom and how he would go through this process with the stepmom. And he, so his dad uttered these famous words, and I say this now in our home, have you gotten all of your words out? So I will say to Gracie, have you gotten all of your words out? Or this means, is there anything else that is burdening your heart right now that we need to talk about so I can watch whatever it is we're watching? But you know, I didn't do that right away in our marriage. I had to learn to communicate. I had to learn that there are times she needs to say something. She had to learn that there are times I don't want to say anything and she has to dig it out of me. And she'll say, sometimes she's got to use a shovel. And sometimes she has to stand on my neck and shovel out of me what obviously I want to say to her, but I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't want to talk about it. All of that is this word, confidence. So when you look at your prayer life with your heavenly father, where are you in the confidence scale of how and when and where and what do you say to him? Now I want to throw this out there. This is not a message to make you feel guilty. This is a message for you to check your heart and say, where can I make adjustments or what can I do? We are all in different places in here in our spiritual walk. We are all in different places in our prayer life with our Heavenly Father. But we want to get to a place of confidence with Him, where we are free. This word means no ambiguous language. Where we have fearless confidence, where we have boldness to enter into the throne room and talk to our Father, and we have full assurance that He's not going to beat us with a stick, but He's going to listen to us, and then we're going to work it out together that we're going to come to a place of agreement and, Father, what do I need to do about this? And what can I believe and trust you for? And this is going to come over time um, as you continue in your journey. I've noticed in a lot of, in my life and in a lot of Christians' lives that we're like, we're not going to pray about this unless we can just believe for something big. We just start with, I'm going to start praying today. I'm just going to start praying for all the people of China today that they would know God. That's pretty ambitious. I'm going to encourage you to start small. You know, when I started rock climbing many years ago, 15 years ago, I did not just walk out into the Linville Gorge one day and say, I'm just going to climb that mountain. No, I started with a very small rock, very close to the ground. And now, 15 years later, I can confidently go to the Linville Gorge, I was just there a couple weekends ago, with all of the equipment and all of the gear and all of the knowledge and the partner that I trust, and we can climb much bigger things. It is the exact same in your prayer life. You are not going to start believing God and asking God for this huge vision for millions of dollars to go on the mission field and live as a missionary. You are going to start right here, Father, I'm asking and believing for my hand hurts, or I have a headache, or I need like to pay one bill at the end of the month. That's how you start building that confidence. That's how you start building that relationship. Start small, find where your confidence is, and be honest. Can I tell you some stories that happened in my own life regarding this? 
and then we'll get back to rock climbing. There is a man, I love reading uh, biographies and autobiographies of uh, Christian missionaries and pioneers and people who've gone before us and done incredible things for God. And one of the things I've noticed that a lot of them have in common is that they've started very small, very often just serving in their local church. And they, they never start with this huge, huge, huge thing. It always starts very small. There was a man, and his name was George Mueller, and he was an English evangelist and missionary in the 1800s. And he was actually turned down by several churches where he wanted to come and teach. And he kept trying to use his gift over here, and it wasn't working. And he kept trying to use his gift over here, and it wasn't working. And finally, in desperation, he said, Lord, I want to serve you, and nothing that I'm trying to do is working. And the Lord spoke to him about starting an orphanage. And he started an orphanage with 30 uh, kids, he and his wife. They had an extra home, and they made it an orphanage. And that was how he started. Over the course of his life, he would care for over 10,000 orphans. And he raised over $140 million for all of the work that he did for the kingdom. And what was amazing is he refused to advertise, fundraise, or accept government support. And he simply believed that God would supply all of his needs. And what's amazing to read in that story is he talks about the struggle he had to believe God for anything when he first started. He said, it took all of my faith and all of my believing just to believe that we could make it through one more day at this orphanage, that we had just enough food to feed these 30 orphans for one more day. He's like, but at the end of my life, it was nothing to me to believe God for millions of dollars and fully expect it to come to pass. But he's like, I didn't start there. I started way back here just believing for one thing that I could do for God. And it is the same way with us. I talked about the rock climbing. Let's talk a little bit more about that. In rock climbing, in prayer is much the same way. We have, a, we have a tendency to think that there's stair steps. I'm going to take this step in prayer, and then I'm going to take this step in prayer, and I'm going to take this step in prayer. Let me, let me flip that a little bit. In rock climbing, we don't advance that way. We advance through something called a pyramid. So imagine a pyramid. And we have to fill up the pyramid in order to ascend it. So we have to fill up the bottom first. So it's not just a stair step. You got to do this. And you got to do this, and then this, and this, and then you can go up. And then you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you go up, and you do this, and this, and this, and then you go up, and it's like that. But what is so interesting is that you can't just go up by doing one thing. And prayer is exactly the same way. When I'm at the gym and I'm climbing, well, today, I'm going to work on my footwork. And then the next day at the gym, I'm going to work on my finger strength. And then the next day, I'm going to work on my shoulder strength. And then the next day, I'm going to work on my core strength. And then the next day, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to climb this. And then the next day, I'm going to learn about ropes. There's always something new to learn, but all of those things together keep me moving up the pyramid. And prayer is exactly the same way. You may pray similarly each time, just like me going to the gym, but each time God will begin to deal with you and with your heart in a different aspect of your life. And what's so interesting is you want to pray about this, and God will have you move over here and pray about this. And then you want to pray about this, but then he'll start talking to you about forgiveness. And you're like, what does that have to do with what I'm praying about? And then you'll start praying about the direction of your life, or you need a new job, or you need whatever it is, and he'll start talking to you about your love walk. And you're like, what does it have to do with that? And then one day you'll be praying about, you know, a potential spouse or maybe the spouse that you have now. Lord, bless them, change them. That was a joke. 
And the Lord will start to deal with you about your tithing. And you're like, Lord, my tithing has nothing to do with me praying for my spouse. But God has a pyramid, and you have to just fill up the blocks wherever he leads you. All of these different skills come together to create whatever it is that you're praying about. Amen? I want to give you another example, and then we'll move on. Uh, Years ago, uh, I was part of a church. Pastor Josh and I were part of this church together. And this church was believing for funds to buy or build a new building. And our pastor gave us a really interesting mandate. He said, "I I want all of you in here to start believing God for extra money that you can give specifically toward this building fund. He said, I don't want you to uh, sow into this building fund out of what you currently have. He's like, I want all of us to get in faith and believe God for extra specifically for this building. And we were all kind of like, this is a brand new idea. And what I talked about earlier, when you want to start with something big, I remember sitting there and I remember being, I was probably 16, 17 years old. I'm going to start believing God right now for an extra $1,000. I'll never forget this. $1,000 is what I'm believing God for right now. Well, a couple months went by and it had not materialized. I kept praying and I kept praying and I kept believing God for an extra $1,000. Did not happen. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on? Where is this extra $1,000? I am, I am found a scripture. I am standing on your word. I am believing with everything in me. I am praying as hard as I know how. And nothing is happening. And the Lord said to me, where can you find agreement with my word? Or in other words, where can you start believing me for that it will work? So I started checking my heart. And this was a very humbling experience. And I was like, well, the $1,000 isn't working. Maybe we should go down to like $500. And I prayed, and that wasn't working. I went down to like $100. And that wasn't working. I went down to like $50. And that wasn't working. I went down. And I finally got down to $1. And I was like, Lord, I am believing you for $1 extra to put in the building fund. And I don't remember what happened, but like a week later, I had an extra dollar. So I, I put it in the envelope, and I filled it up for the building fund, and I put it in, and I said, prayer works. The Lord has done it, $1. And then I went to $5. And again, I don't remember what happened, but something happened. I had an extra $5, put it in the building fund. Then I went to $10. What am I talking about? Finding your faith, where you can get in agreement with God. Went to $10. I don't remember. Somehow I had $10, put it in the building fund. I went to $20, went to $50. I remember when I got to $100 because in me, what am I doing? I am building that confidence scale the wins and losses. I'm making slow wins. I'm seeing God move in small ways, but it's giving me confidence to believe and trust him for more. And I'm starting to pray. Now I was praying, the first I was praying the way I wanted to pray and the way I thought God should move. And God had to take me where I could connect and agree with him. So now he's bringing me up and I'm becoming more confident. And I remember I got to that $100 level and for whatever reason, now this was a big deal. And I was like, oh, this is hard. You know, I don't know. And you had to keep reminding myself, well, he gave me the dollar and the $5 and the $10 and the $50. Now we're at the $100 level. And again, God's not always going to answer the way you think he should. I remember reading a story once about a man on a park bench and the spirit spoke to him and said, go into the forest. And he went into the forest and he said, go by this tree. And he went by this tree and he said, dig by this tree. And he dug and he found a bag of money. It's a true story. But I remember reading that story and and I'm like, that's how we want God to answer our prayers. I need extra money. Lead me to the bag, Lord, that's in the forest under the tree. 
and let it be tax-free, and no one robbed a bank or get hurt or anything, but money should magically appear to me. It's not probably going to happen. What's more likely is you're going to pray and you're going to believe God. This is a true story. So I need, I'm at the $100 level, remember? And my boss at work comes to me and says, Sean, there's some overtime available to you. Would you like to make some extra money and work overtime? And I said, no, I don't want to work extra. I'm already here 40 hours a week. You want me to work extra for extra money? Ridiculous. And then I went home and said, Lord, I'm believing you for $100. (laughs) And I know it's going to come. And I'm still thinking, pennies from heaven, bag of money in the woods. You know, you you start having crazy thoughts. A pig is going to smell money, and I'm going to follow this pig, and he's going to dig it up. You know, because then you read in the Bible, like Peter catches a fish, and there's a coin in the mouth. Lord, I'm believing that there's going to be a fish with money in his mouth. Well, then... A guest minister comes to our church, so I've said no to my boss. I'm not working extra. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's not the Lord. This guest minister comes to our church, starts talking about increasing financially, and he reads a story where, do you remember the story where Peter, Jesus gets into Peter's boat, and he uses Peter's boat to, to preach, and then he tells Peter, hey, let's launch out into the deep and for a catch, and Peter says, Lord, we have fished all night. I'm not going out again. What's Jesus asking him to do? Work overtime. So this man is teaching this word. And I'm sitting there going, overtime is how the Lord's going to bless me? Ridiculous. That's, that's not, it's not, it's not it. Well, it was hard to ignore it after that. So I told my boss, yes, I will work overtime. And then wouldn't you know, I had the $100 to put into the, the building fund. And I'm like, man, the Lord answered my prayer. And I had to actually do something about it. What a concept. All right, next scripture. Where are we going? We are going to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. My point is, we can grow in our prayer life. We want God to answer our prayers our way. But he answers prayers his way. Our faith, our believing, our track record of answered prayers can improve. When you are confident in your God and in your prayer life, you begin to believe and receive on a greater level. But I'm telling you right now, you need to find where you are with God. And you need to figure out what you can believe him for realistically, And then baby step from there. And as you see him answer prayers, and as you see him take you up that pyramid, it's so easy to start believing him for more and more and greater. And you're like, I know the Lord's going to do it. Gracie and I were just at a a conference. We just got home yesterday, a prayer conference. And we were talking about that. And I said, you know, there are things that I have absolute faith for that God will do. There are certain areas of my life because he has proven himself faithful over and over and over again. I've seen the answers over and over and over again. There's things that I'm like, I have absolute faith for this. And Gracie's like, well, what are some things you don't have absolute faith for? And how can we, you know, get there? And I'm like, that's a good question. But it comes back to, I have confidence in certain areas that I know he'll move because I've seen him move over and over and over again. So how do we get there? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter six. 
I should probably find it myself. Mark, Matthew. Because you may be asking yourself, well, I, I don't know how to pray. Remember, we already answered that. You do know how to pray. So now the question is, will you make time and space and a place for prayer? Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus. Beginning in verse 5, Jesus here is talking about prayer. And verse 5 says, when you pray, don't, so he's assuming you pray. When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them. I don't think we're real worried about that here. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward or the answer they will ever get. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then the Father who sees everything will reward you, or he will answer you in his way and in his timing. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. I love the New Living. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. Pray this way, and then he's going to give us a model for prayer, which I'm not teaching on today, but it's very interesting what Jesus says here. But go down to verse 14. Remember, he's still talking about prayer, and then he slips verse 14 in. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to give up, forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Isn't that interesting? In other words, Jesus is saying there may be things that are blocking or hindering the prayer that you are praying. I can't tell you how many times I've been praying about something important like my job or my future or you know this and that, and the Lord will be like, you need to go apologize to your wife. And I'm like, that is not what I'm praying about. And he's like, you will do it right now. And I'm like, all right. And then Gracie and I have a conversation. That has happened probably hundreds of times in our marriage. I'm praying about something. And the Lord's like, uh, you need to go talk to Gracie and like, be nice. And I'm like, that is not what I'm praying about. But that and that work together. So my point here is, you need to find what works for you in prayer. We're going to use one of my favorite words, systems. Gracie will tell you, Sean loves a plan and he loves systems. You need to find a prayer plan that works for you. And we're all different. We're all individuals. God speaks to all of us in our own unique way. You need to find a system of prayer that works for you. Time spent in prayer and in God's presence is never time wasted. And we like to make big ambitious goals. You may come out of the service and be like, Lord, I'm dedicating, I'm, today I'm starting, I'm praying 20 hours a week. I'm reading my Bible every day for at least an hour. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna throw my TV out. In fact, I'm gonna burn it so that I can't bring it back in. And I'm gonna do all those things starting today. Whoa, whoa. Let's, let's calm down. Why don't we make a simple, measurable goal that we can accomplish? Like, I don't know, five minutes. Five minutes in the Word. Five minutes of prayer. 
Can I, can I tell you how, what Gracie and I do? I'm not saying you need to do this. I'm just, I'm just throwing out examples. You need to find what works for you. I encourage you to find a space and a place where you can meet with God. I have a chair in my living room that I sit in to pray. And sometimes I come out in the morning and Gracie's laundry is in my chair. And I'm like, this is the holy chair of God where I meet to him face to face. Sometimes fire falls, I don't know, and your towels are in my chair, and I always just want to hurl them, but I don't. I just sit somewhere else. But it is my, you know, it's a space and a place for me to meet with God, and I have prayed in that chair so many times. You know what's interesting? I fully expect God to speak to me when I'm sitting in that chair because he has spoken me so many times in that chair. But you have to start, and you have to start somewhere, and you have to start with whatever the baby step is for you to start your prayer life or to continue in your prayer life. You need a space. You need a place. In Mark 1.35, it says Jesus would go early to a solitary place to pray. If Jesus, the Son of God, had to start off his day in prayer by himself away from everyone else, guess what? For you to have success in this Christian life, you may have to learn to pray and you may have to learn to get by yourself in a solitary place. Now, I understand we are all in very different life places <laughs> and I understand that may not be easy for everyone in this room, but God is intelligent. You are intelligent. I believe you and he together can figure out a strategy for you to spend time in his presence. Now, I admit, I do not always start off first thing in the morning with prayer. Let's be real. I start off with coffee like every other normal person because God doesn't want to talk to me at six in the morning when I haven't had coffee. No one wants to talk to me. For years, I hated getting up early in the morning to spend time with the Lord. So I did all of my studying at night. The last hour of every day was the Lord's. That was just my, that's what worked for me. I would start off, I would read the word, then I would read a devotional usually, and then I would put on some worship music, and I would spend some time in worship, and then I would pray, and then I would go to bed. And I did that for probably 20 years. And almost all of the messages that I've taught in those 20 years have all come from those evening sessions with God, which tells me this works 24-7, 365. And people used to say to me, you know, you can only seek the Lord in the morning. You know, David said, early in the morning will I rise. And I was always like, God doesn't want to talk to me in the morning, and I don't really want to talk to him in the morning. I'm not awake. Eventually, I just did it at night, and it worked great. Now it's flipped, and now we do it in the morning. My point is, whenever works for you, works for him. He's not up there going, I only meet with people first thing in the morning. That's the only time my calendar is open. God is not that way. He is your heavenly father, and he loves you, and he's excited to see you no matter when you can fit it in. The point is that you fit it in. Um, I will be honest, the Bible makes no sense to me first thing in the morning. It doesn't. I can open it up and I'll read it and I'll be like, I have no idea what this is saying. So at some point, I just stopped reading the Bible first thing in the morning. It made no sense to me. And then the enemy immediately came and said, you're doing it wrong. You're not obviously doing what you're supposed to be doing. And eventually I was like, that is the enemy. That is not the voice of God. So I pushed that out. And I had to learn what worked for me. You have to learn what works for you. I usually start off reading a very simple devotional in the morning because it wakes me up. 
I love reading it. I look forward to reading it every day. And it takes like five minutes. And then Gracie will tell you, then I usually put on quiet worship music. It's not real loud, it's quiet. And then I will like read the Bible. And I won't read like chapters. I'll read like a few verses and I'll let it kind of sit. Sometimes I'll just sit there and just pray quietly. Sometimes I'll worship. It doesn't have to look the same way every time. Sometimes I'll study a little bit. And sometimes I'll be like, ah, today I just feel like I just need to pray. And I'll pray for a few minutes. And then I'll go on with my day. I am really good at praying in the car. Driving here this morning, I put on some worship music. I can pray in the car, no problem. My wife is really good at prayer walks. She will walk and pray. Shauna's not very good at prayer walks. She will go out, she'll walk a couple miles, she'll come back, I can tell she's been with Jesus. I will go out, do the same thing, nothing happens. I don't think the Lord wants to talk to me on a walk. I'm too distracted by nature, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. Gracie is a big journaler. I can't tell you how many times we'll be in prayer and she'll start, I'll see her over there, furiously writing. I have never kept a prayer journal. I've tried, I've got prayer journals. I'll write like one page and then a year later I'll be like, I never wrote anything more. I have notes in my phone that says, things God has said to me. I think there's three notes in it. I just am not good at writing things down the way my wife is. But God deals with her the way he deals with her. He deals with me the way he deals with me. There is no condemnation or formula. The point is we're spending time with the Lord. And over time, as that confidence begins to build, man, I fully expect him to meet with me. I fully expect him to speak to me. I fully expect to open up his word and get exactly what I need for that day or for that situation or for that person that I'm praying about or for my marriage, whatever it is, I fully expect him. I have absolute confidence that he will speak to me when I speak to him. But that did not, it did not start out that way. It's years and years and years and building that pyramid and building skills and him revealing different things to me in my life and heart. Now we're to this place where I just fully expect him to speak to me. I fully expect him to speak to me about this message. I've got pages and pages and pages of notes on prayer. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say to these people this Sunday? And I fully expect him to share with me what that will be. Amen? So find a routine that works for you. And then take baby steps to get there. Just one thing. What is one thing you can do? What is one thing you can adjust or change? What is five or 10 or 15 minutes that you can give him wherever you can give him in the day? And then figure out what works for you, whether it's the Bible, whether it's a devotional, whether it's uh, praise and worship music, whether it's in your car, on the job, wherever. I believe you and the Lord can get into agreement about this. And it's amazing when you give him just a little bit, what he will do with it. All right. I think that's enough about that. Let's go to the book of Colossians. Let's see where we are in my time. Ooh. All right. We're going to start landing the plane. We're going to start wrapping this up. I didn't have a real firm agenda for today. I've got a lot of different stuff I could cover. I just wanted to give a few things that have worked for me. I used to have a boss, and whenever we would go to a conference, we'd come back from the conference, and he would always say this, don't tell me what you didn't learn, tell me a few things that you did learn. And that's what I wanted to do this, this morning. Here's not, I don't want to give you theories on prayer, here is a few things that have worked for me over the years. Uh, Book of Colossians, it's one of the epistles, we're going to look at chapter 4, and I believe we're going to start reading in verse 2, Now I'm just checking my heart here to make sure I got everything out that he wanted me to say about that. I think so. Colossians chapter four. Oh yes, verse two says, 
devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us that God will give us opportunities to speak about his plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Verse 2 is what I want to focus on. The old King James says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. This verse encourages me because it says continue in prayer. That means that sometimes prayers are not going to be answered instantaneously. Or he would not have said we have to sometimes continue in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. The word prayer, the most commonly used word for prayer in the New Testament is the Greek word prosuke. And again, it's a compound Greek word, which means it has two parts. The first word is the word pros, and it means to move close to someone or to walk in a direction so that you are close to a person, which tells me that prayer will only be effective when you start moving closer to God. It is something that's supposed to be done with a closeness involved with it. That's the word pros. The other word is the word uke, which means a vow, a wish, a need, or a desire. And it was originally used in ancient Greek texts to denote someone, and maybe you've, you know this person, or maybe you've done this yourself, who promised something to God, hoping that God would do something in return. It's the picture of a man who says, Lord, you've got to get me out of this situation. In exchange, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That's what that word means. <laughs> So prayer should bring us closer to God. It is not a formula or mechanical act, but a vehicle through which we speak to our heavenly Father and he responds to us. But a component of prayer is always sacrifice. And it comes from that idea of, Lord, I will do this for you if you do this for me. It doesn't work that way, but prayer will very often require sacrifice. And the first sacrifice is just our time. Will we do this? And will we draw close to God in prayer or will we keep him at arm's length in our prayers? Continue in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. We often want God to change our circumstances, but often it is he who is looking for us to change. Prayer often will lead to a process like I mentioned earlier, he'll start, we'll start praying one way and he'll start being like, hey, I want you to work on this. And it's so interesting uh, that very often that will lead to the answer that you're looking for. <laughs> I've said this many times, God has not answered my prayers the way I wanted him to. Did you know this morning that you are sitting in answered prayer? We prayed for this building for almost a year. And we're, we're going to wrap up probably with this story. For probably, probably a year, we prayed about, we were in a building, we were in a space, we had to get out of that space, we went to a temporary space, and that whole time we were praying about a new space. And very often, myself, Pastor Josh, and Andy, who took up the offering, we would get together on Wednesdays, I believe, and specifically pray about where God had for us next. And we didn't know about this building, we didn't know what God would do. We were just praying because we needed a building. And you know, that's not the only thing we did. We're not gonna go into this deeply today, but the scripture says, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith by your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. 
Sometimes there cannot just be prayer. We weren't just saying, Lord, we need a building. Lord, we need a building. Lord, we need a building. Pastor Josh was actively looking for a building. He had other people in the community actively looking for spaces that we could meet. I believe it was Wes that actually turned us on to this space. But it was, I mean, it was probably a year that we were praying. And one day in prayer, I said, I said, the Lord is preparing, I either said preparing or building, I can't remember, a space for us. And what we didn't know was that they were construct, remodeling this building at that same time. They thought they were just making a conference and event center, but really they were building a sanctuary for the Lord's presence. But they had no idea. And when we finally walked into this space, it had everything we needed to conduct this church. And the very first Sunday we were in here, Pastor Josh made the mistake of giving me the mic. And I said, you don't even know that you are sitting in answered prayer that we prayed and believed and sought the Lord for, for over a year. And now we're just, we all just get to enjoy it. But it was an instant and the Lord didn't reveal to us it immediately. It was a process that he walked us through so that when we were ready for this building, this building was ready for us. And just one day in prayer, I just spoke something that I believe the Lord had put on my heart, that the Lord is creating and making and building a space for us. We had looked at so many buildings at that point and had all kind of things that just nothing was working. And it was like, ah, and one day it was just ready for us to move into. And we're still here and it's still a blessing. And whatever the Lord has for us next. And you know what's interesting? I have so much confidence about the next space because I watched him, uh, so close, I watched him move us into this space, and it wasn't immediate, and it didn't come right away, and it wasn't how we thought it would look, and there were things that we were maneuvering on, we were like, that's it, that's the building, it wasn't the building, and we moved here and there, and we did this and that, but the whole time, the Lord was slowly maneuvering us to this building, into this space. And they, I, I will never forget, we came by here pretty early in the construction and we watched them all, you know, moving around, building things. And I was like, they have no idea they are building a space for the Lord. So examine the process. We did not just pray. We knew that God wanted us to have a building. We believe he had spoken that to us clearly. That's where our faith was. But we were not just praying. We were doing things. We were doing what the Lord asked us to do. We were going where the Lord asked us to go. We were talking to people we felt led to talk to. And eventually, through our working and our praying and our expecting and our watching and our thanking the Lord for our building, I can't tell how many times we're like, thank you, Lord, for that new building that you're going to bring us to. One day, we just, almost by magic, we just moved into this place. And we're still here. And the Lord is still moving. And he answered that prayer. And I believe that he can answer the prayers that you are praying wherever you are. But I encourage you, find your faith. Find where you can believe and agree with God. Start small. Let it grow. Find that space and that place for you to meet with him. Find a formula that works for you. And just expect you will be amazed when you give God just a little bit, what he will do in return. Amen? Well, you can tell I could do this for a while, but we probably need to stop because I've been preaching for 48 minutes, my word. As we conclude this morning, Gracie and I were talking this morning, and she said these immortal words. How are you going to conclude the service?
And I said, I hadn't thought about it. I'm more worried about my 10 pages of notes and what three pages I'm going to talk about. So we talked about this and that. And so I want us to do an exercise this morning. Is that okay? I don't need your permission. I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to do an exercise. So Frankie's already playing, which is great because I was going to ask him to play. And we're going to take a few minutes to check our hearts and get alone with the Lord and see what he would say to us. Maybe you've never done this before, or maybe this is like, yeah, great, no problem. We're gonna, Frankie's going to play, and we're going to sit. Now, if you have something to write on or if you have your phone, I encourage you to create a blank space or go to a new note in your phone. Now, here's a few, we're going to go through a few rules. We tend to go to where we're comfortable to pray, and I'm going to ask you to get a little uncomfortable. So I want you to focus on just you. I can pray with my wife like that because we are so used to praying together. But I want, if you are sitting with your spouse or future potential spouse, I don't know, you may need to move from your spouse. You may need to go to different places in the building. You may need to sit there quietly. That's fine. Whatever you need to do to get alone with God and create your own space, go for it. And we're going to take about five minutes and we're just going to be quiet in the presence of the Lord. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. Your mind is going to start going, this is weird, this is weird, this is weird, this is weird. I don't want to do this, I don't want to do it. I encourage you to turn off your mind. God does not speak to you in your head. He is a spirit, you are a spirit. He speaks to you in your spirit or in your heart or through your inner man. And you may not be used to listening to the voice of God, that's okay. Very often I will actually physically think of a light switch in my mind and I'm just like, all right, we're just gonna turn you off for a few minutes. And I'm just gonna say, Lord, I open my heart to you right now. And I expect you and I ask you to speak to me right now about my life. And I know there's all these things that I wanna pray about and all these different directions I can go, but Lord, you have something for me right now that I need. And very often uh, by faith, I'll pull out that new note in my phone or a new piece of paper because I fully expect him to speak to my heart. Now, sometimes he will literally say words. Sometimes he will bring a scripture to your remembrance. Sometimes he'll drop a person in front of you. Um, he may say this or that. Sometimes just peace will come. Sometimes just joy will come. Sometimes he'll begin to deal with you in an area of your life where he, he wants you to surrender that or he needs a change to happen. Very often I'm praying, I'll, I'll see a person from work and I, I'll make a note, I need to go talk to that person or I need to call that person or whatever it is. So I try not to limit God in those moments. And then very often I will say something like, I always think of the prophet Samuel when the Lord spoke to him and he didn't know it was the Lord. So he went to Eli the priest and he's like, I hear a voice, what do I do? And Eli said, say these words, speak Lord, your servant listens. And I'll say that, I'll say, Lord, I am listening for your voice please speak to me. I am quick to hear. And then I'll usually add, and I'm quick to obey whatever it is you want to say to me today. So find where it is you can connect with God in this moment. We're just going to take a few minutes to be silent before him. Uh, just out of an act of respect, if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes, get away from the person next to you if you need to. Find where you are in your journey with the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. 
Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.